in stone. And it's day 428 of the pandemic. Right now, I am selling a fashionable line of jumper and mask combos. Right now at reginstone.com. For $19.99, you could be the most fashionable person on the Zoom. Or possibly on Demon Time, depending on how you roll. <laughs> Fam, I do have to say, and I, I don't have this, this personally. Uh, maybe I'll put it in the show descriptions, but... Uh, our friend Vicky has the dopest mask ever, and apparently there's somebody in DC making custom prints, like oh, no uh, like face masks. And I think they have like a Michael Jackson one or whatever. Uh, so look, the mask game is going to be officially popping in 2020. You're gonna have to have everything coordinated. You just thought it's like, oh no, my kicks match my shirt. Yeah, yeah. It's like, nah, bruh. There's a whole new level of color blocking you have to pull out. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna get the Nike Jordan mask. You're gonna have the, the Kanye oh, oh. Yeezy mask. Which is just like it's a burlap. I, I hate to say it. As, as a as a recovering hype beast, you know, you know, four or five years sober, early on. When you know when people were wearing like fucking mask masks and the CDC says you can wear a regular mask. Yeah, yeah. I was looking up Nike Tech like basically because you have the neck warmers. Oh yeah. Like, if you're running into one, yeah, I was like, oh shit, I get the Nike Tech one, and I was like, they were all sold out, and I was like, oh you bastards. Oh yeah, dude, that that that's Supreme John. It's gonna be it's crazy, a wrap, man. It's gonna everybody. Be, it's gonna be, oh, <laughs> everybody's going to be standing in line, not social distancing, <laughs> at the Supreme <laughs> store <laughs> to pick up a Supreme mask. <laughs> It's like I caught the COVID, but it was worth it. <laughs> I'll be tripped out of my funeral home. Oh, man. Anyway, people, you know, all we can do is laugh. All we can do is try to enjoy the moment. Because things are crazy out here, man. It's been, yeah. it's been a crazy rough week yeah. for, for, it- for music. And 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 knock on wood, we don't know how everything went down, but it seems a lot of the deaths just were, you know, for I won't say natural causes, but can cancer, sadly enough. Would, would yeah. Be the, 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 um, but uh, shit. I mean, like I said, it's it's something where it's. I don't even want to go down the line, but you know, let's start with Andre Harrell. You know, basically, yeah. dude had a hip hop career early on couple of singles in the early 80s started working with Def Jam became executive at Def Jam and started Uptown Records where you know Heavy D and the boys you know started bringing acts in like Mary J Blige and I kind of want to rewind on this is the fact of where you know 2020 hip-hop and R&B are the same like there's no difference it's the same same acts same venues same singing yeah. styles it's just you know it's, it's considered black music in general part of the big Ouroboros we forget, like, in the 80s, there was definitely a divide where rap music wasn't played on black radio. It would have a segment. They might play it 9, 7 o'clock at night in the evening. But definitely there was a schism. And what Andre did was kind of see, like, this is the future. This is where it's going to be. And, you know, it, it wasn't just him, but he was very pivotal and kind of like, you know, bringing that sound into R&P and vice versa. And in a weird way, without him kind of doing what he was doing, without giving giving Puffy had platform to what he was doing. You know, I'm not going to say hip-hop wouldn't exist, but that, that I don't know. He, he definitely made it, like, you know, bridge that, you know, the generation of the hip-hop generation and the R&B generation. Like, it's not many people who were there on the ground level doing it, and he was the very first one there. 
on a bigger picture, he's somebody where even later in his career, when he wasn't necessarily the guy at the forefront, you know, mentor dude showing up and all these, you know, there were a lot of younger artists kind of shouting him out because he's somebody who kind of stayed there. And you can kind of tell probably because he himself was an artist in the early eighties that he came from a, from a perspective of, you know, it wasn't just like, I'm here to make money. I am here because I am industry. He generally cared about black folks and cared about black culture and black music. So it's fucking sad. Cause dude wasn't even fucking, he was 59 dog. That's young. That's nothing. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and you make some really good points. You know, Andre Harrell was for the most part, the archetype for Puffy. Um, he was the music mogul as a brand and he created Uptown and Uptown prior to Bad Boy and prior to some of these other kind of labels uh, was the label as a brand, right? It, it, it was not, and not even a label, it's like a collective, right? It's not like RCA records, it's Uptown RCA, right? And I think that carried a cachet to it that carried um, a curation to it, and I feel like Andre Harrell was was somebody who kind of set that um, in motion and set and created that template that pretty much everybody in hip hop has copied, right? Oh, I, ooh, absolutely! Like he's probably he's the he's the first like rec, like hip hop record like like Master P like like all down the line. You know oh yeah, I mean fresh good music TDE. You know like like like. All the way down the line, you know, like like Shit. like this whole collective as label imprint as brand. Um, Andre Harrell created all of that. <laughs> um, yeah, shit. You know, so and, and it's really sad that it took kind of his death to um, make us kind of realize that because he he wasn't a, you know he was an artist recording artist, but he wasn't like you know he wasn't a puffy. He wasn't like a recording artist. So I do think like some of his legacy was lost. Um, you know, I'm glad like we're able to kind of reflect on that legacy, but it's really sad that we, we're kind of doing this like uh, upon his death and not celebrating his life. Um, and yeah, you know, like like the I remember when uh, the Mary Dre once uh, a four one one album dropped, that was very provocative. You know, because nobody like thought to take hip hop producers and combine it with R and B. When you think of RB back in that day, it's like it's Video Soul, it's Anita Baker, <laughs> you know, Shade, Star, yeah, yeah, you know, like it has a certain thing to it. Um, and to drop that Mary album, um, it's just crazy. Um, and also too, I, I do want, I don't know uh, if Andre Harrell like was really behind this, but I remember the Uptown MTV Unplugged was crazy to oh, me. Yeah, um, I remember that. Which, you know, MTV Unplugged, for the kids that don't know, it was basically a bunch of rock bands uh, doing acoustic sets, right? So, you know, you had Nirvana Unplugged, you had, like, you know, some of the grunge bands of the of the era, and, like, the whole thing is, like, it's all acoustic, and it's in this, like, theater-in-the-round setting, and Andre Harrell and, and Uptown Records did Uptown Unplugged with, like, LL Cool J, um, ah, shit, um... Heavy D, you know, all those cats like doing like unplugged hip hop, you know, in the early 90s, which is crazy, you know. So, again, it's just like being innovative and thinking outside of the box. And, and um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely miss uh, Andre Harrell for that, that type of thinking. Yeah. And, yeah. And rest in peace. And then I guess it kind of segues into like it's going to be one long string of unfortunate deaths. But uh, what I thought was, Betty Wright also died, 
Yeah. Uh, powerhouse singer, long career, was still making records till this day. Um, definitely her biggest work probably in the 70s, but she was somebody he still talked about now. And the reason why I want to talk about her is kind of similar to Andre Harrell is somebody where, you know, old school, you know, old school singer, 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 singer. You know, I was reading an article about how like Josh Stone's first record, like apparently she felt kind of weird singing with the band. So she was just like, fuck it. And then Betty Wright sung the whole record basically with the band. And all Josh Stone <laughs> did was put vocals on top. But it's but what's cool about it is think about it. As somebody like you're already a, this established singer, a lot of people wouldn't have that ego. She's somebody where behind the scenes, she could either do her own songs or come out there and put a little flavor in the background for you. Like she didn't really, she was there for the music first. And what I kind of want to bring up with her is the fact of where, you know, a lot of her tracks got sampled, you know, Destiny's Child later on because they were ubiquitous songs in the 70s. Those hip-hop producers would hear her songs. It would stay with them. You know, somehow in the middle of, you know, they crate digging or something, it would pop in their head and bam, you have a sample flip. But what's cool about her, though, is that she transitioned from being that, like, classically trained, you know, that classic soul singer and to somebody who fucked with hip-hop hard. And enough where I was reading her last album, and it was like, DJ Khaled was involved, Lil Wayne. Like, it's not like she ever, like, aged herself. She kind of kept with the youth, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's and that's kind of a cool thing also where, going back to the idea of there was this weird divide where the, the transition from R&B to the hip-hop era was kind of awkward. She's somebody where she could easily been like, nah, fuck y'all, you know, y'all don't know how to sing, this and that, blah, blah, blah. But she fucking, she was, she was cool as shit, long story short. Yeah, you know what's crazy? So I'm looking at her Wikipedia right now. First single as a lead artist, 1966, Thank You Baby, baby right? Last single as a lead artist, Save Us with Ace Hood. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Just think about that, right? Like, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you're right. I mean, there's a lot of artists from that era who, and look, you know, it is what it is. Like, like people from that era may or may not understand hip hop and may not understand the youth. And there's a lot of these, these artists from these that era who would not branch out into hip hop, right? And it's you just really have to admire somebody who is constantly reinventing themselves and constantly kind of maybe throwing themselves into uncomfortable situations, right? You know, it, it, I, I feel like you know <laughs> just rolling in the studio with Ace Hood and, and DJ Khaled, <laughs> like I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> You know, like, like I'm like, what am I, what am I doing here? Like, what is Khaled going to do? Is he going <laughs> to scream all over my, my, on my, on my record? <laughs> Another one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I yeah, just imagine I, him like, me and Betty out here in the studio sipping the finest champagnes, a little DJ Khaled voice. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, you know, again, another person that I feel like it sucks that we're reflecting on their life in their death. Um, so cheers. Cheers to Betty Cheers. Right. Cheers to Betty Right. And then like like the hits keep on coming. And then in my opinion, you know, we could definitely debate on who started rock and roll. But in my mind, there is no doubt who is the, the first, the prototype rock star, Little Richard. Little Richard died. And uh, I guess going back to even piggybacking off Betty Wright. So obviously, I'm somebody much younger than Little Richard. 
and I came of age before he, you know, after way after Tutti Fruity. But what's weird about Little Richard, too, if you think about it, is that he was still around. Like, I remember watching Little Richard pop in into these random, like, you know, like Hollywood Squares. He's like, he was somebody where he was still active, you know. He was still touring. I was reading an article about him playing piano, I think, five years ago, about how he was going nuts, and even though he was still in the wheelchair. But rewind a little bit. So you have this guy, you know, basically one of the, a queer man, you know, who early on was out there just putting his all on these shows, whereas he's, you know, he's moving, he's shaking, you know, he's dressing flamboyant, he's got the makeup, he's doing all this. Is it something he kind of laid down where, forgetting about the music, just the idea of this larger-than-life figure being on stage playing this aggressive music, is this like from there, and like I said, it's crazy because you see a direct correlation between him and fucking James Brown. You know, there was a joke where he said, like, oh, told Prince, like, oh, I was wearing purple first. But, like, the difference between Prince and fucking and Little Richard, as far as image is concerned, is the exact same thing. Like, there's no, you know, it's a direct correlation. You go down to Bowie. You go down to, so it's something where forgetting about the music, forgetting about the idea that he's literally the musical architect, one of the musical architects of rock and roll, the idea of just, like, being, you know, the, the celebrity and, and tied to music, like, that was him. Like, go find him you know, it's, it, it'd be kind of much more blander. And it's somebody where he was still Little Richard for years, years on years on years and years and years. So, you know, it's something where, and it's crazy, because I remember I was, I was fucking on Twitter and then, like, this little obscure fucking new metal band from, like, the fucking 90s called Cold Chamber. And even that guy was talking about how they were in a hotel where a lot of musicians were staying and Little Richard came out there and had a whole conversation and he was complimenting him on his shoes. And it's something, again, to the idea of where, you know, somebody who was always, like, from, from what everybody says, very humble, very, very, you know, funny, biting, you know, but definitely not somebody who was out there from doing the work, who was out there playing. He was, you know, it's, it's something where, you know, he's one of those few dudes where, you know, I could see, like, you know, because we could joke about, well, if this didn't happen, that wouldn't happen. Without Little Richard, you lose a lot of fucking what makes rock music, what makes rock and roll today, what makes hip hop today. Just that idea of a flamboyant person on stage, like giving a fuck, that's fucking Little Richard. Yeah. You know, the crazy thing about Little Richard is, you know, he was queer before, like, Elton John. He was doing rock and roll way before Elvis, right? He was doing soul gyrations and things like that way before James Brown. Uh, he pretty much was setting the standard for modern American music as we know it. And, you know, I remember there's, I forgot what interview it was, but there's an interview where he was just like, um, you know, give me my props, basically. And he was, you know, it was kind of painted as little Richard going crazy, right? You know, and he was angry at something. I forgot what it was. And he was just kind of like, I started all this shit, basically. And it's true. <laughs> it's like, he started yeah, all this shit. Just, <laughs> usually you could say, like, like I was saying, you could say it's foundation. Well, because of this, you know, this happened and this happened. It's like, no, like, l- literally, is it's like, you could see, like, they, Bowie was just like, Little Richard. And then that's his whole style. You know, it's, it's, you see a direct correlation. Like, this dude literally was just like, he wrote a blueprint, and then everybody kind of borrowed that blueprint. And and again, it's fucking fantastic. 
and it's awesome and it's important. But I, I guess I go back to the idea of giving people props when they're around. Like I know he got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame very early. He's one of the first inductees. But damn it, like this dude, like Rolling Stones, you know, the Beatles opened up for him, I believe. It's this like, idea of where without this dude, it's just like, like rock doesn't exist almost. You know yeah, no, it, and, it's, and it's funny, like the Beatles idolized him. So when the Beatles were playing in Hamburg, um, like cutting their teeth, doing their 10,000 hours of practice, they were playing Little Richard songs, like way back in the 50s before before the whole like Fab Four or whatever. You know, and it's just it's it's crazy, and, and I, I'm trying to find this interview. I can't really find it, but like there's this interview where like Little Richard just like starts going off on people, and people are like, "Oh, crazy black man! Oh my goodness!" <laughs> <laughs> but I I feel like the problem is, you know, Little Richard's kind of sitting there, and I think people aren't taking him seriously as an innovator. They're just kind of looking at the, the at the facade, right? And they're saying, "Oh, it's this little like." quirky, crazy, black, you know, is he gay? I don't know, right? Um, but not realizing all the work he's put in <laughs> yeah. and all the debts that people need to pay, like pay him. Um, yeah. You know, and I and I think like that's what was probably like pissed him off, you know? I'm looking right now, there's an interview that he gave and he said, if I had been white, uh, there never would have been Elvis Presley. True. Facts. <laughs> Yeah. facts you know like like again this is somebody who um and, and then maybe it's just a society's fault we only look at the surface we only see like oh you know he's he, oh he's cute you know but the dude's he's funny been, yeah yeah he's funny he's like but he's been putting in the work and a lot of, i think a lot of it because I, I was on reddit and somebody was like because little richard apparently was living in like tennessee and i think like living in the same town as dolly parton which is kind of kind of cool oh that's like, awesome actually actually like really dope actually but like apparently like he was like in a like a suv or something and like he was at a stoplight and people were like walking around and he like rolling he was rolling down the window and it's like he's like do you know who i am i'm a little richer baby and like, you know, like <laughs> the car would drive off <laughs> you know <laughs> and like a lot of that is just like I think people were like, oh, that's funny. You know, he's a quirky guy. But like him is more of him saying like, yo, you got to respect me. You person on the street in Tennessee, like <laughs> all the music you like, like I fucking created, you know, basically. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, shouts to little Richard, man. Like this, this one hit yeah, hard. Rest in power. Yeah, yeah no, that's, this something, one hit hard. It, it, and he seems eternal because he's been around for like, he, like I said, he's, he's somebody that was in the public space for a minute. And it's, so it's weird to kind of hear about him passing because it just feel like he'll just be here forever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And then, and then uh, I guess we go down the list. The last one is uh, Florian Schneider, um, one of the two co-founding members of Kraftwerk. He was, uh, I mean, it's, what do you say about Kraftwerk? A whole bunch of weird German musicians in the 70s kind of laid the groundwork for definitely techno and electronic music today. And parts of hip hop. Without their beats, there would be no Africa Bambada, and they would be, you know, down the line. Um, with Florin, it's interesting with him is because he actually was a flutist very early on. They were more exper experimental musicians, pure experimental musicians, and he was a flutist. And he kind of said that he kind of found it boring, you know, you know, classically training. Just like, look, I just found this weird synthesis shit a lot more interesting, a lot more fun to do. 
And then from that point on, you know, the, him and Ralph kind of laid down the groundwork for, you know, Trans Europe Express, those early records for what eventually became techno. And then a lot of those beats, beyond, besides disco, became the foundation of a lot of early hip hop. It's something where, and then as time went on, you know, beyond the records themselves, it kind of, you know, I don't say the first one to kind of put this crazy idea of fucking of a stage setup, but they were very early pioneers on very much like this computerized out of nowhere, like in a, in a live experience, let's just say, you know, like you could make an argument that without like what they were doing on stage, you know, you definitely had your fucking, you know, your, your normal stuff, your fucking, you know, your fireworks, your flamethrowers on stage, you know, backlight, fucking images behind there. But to have this weird electronic kind of like almost experience that Kanye West is doing with his tours later on, like Kraftworks are that too. So it's something where, you know, another originator where, you know, a lot of the modern music we listen to now without them would not be there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, uh, again, it's another thing to pay tribute to and another shit, man. I feel like I'm repeating myself, right? Like, like, like you, You're talking about like a bunch of people that create like the foundations of the music that we enjoy, right? And it's just really funny kind of listening to old hip hop dudes. Because I think on the surface, you think genres are so, like, you know, siloed, right? Like, a hip-hop dude is a hip-hop dude. Doesn't fuck with anything else, right? Um, but again, like, like hip-hop dudes loves craft work. Like, <laughs> and it was like this, this, this crazy, you know, because, like, Kraftwerk was one of the few, like one of the first bands that really like started really messing with synthesizers, and then like the synthesizer like ended up you know going to hip hop, ended up going to R and B and like things like that. Um, but yeah, hip hop dudes love Kraftwerk, and it's really funny to see like these weird intersections between hip hop and like you know electronic music. You know, like the 90s, there's kind of this intersection. And then like the 2000s, there's this intersection. And I feel like the last time you kind of had like, you know, like Skrillex and Diplo and like all those kind of cats doing like trap music. And people are like, oh, snap, this is hip hop. And it's electronic dance music is so new. I'm like, no, nah, fam. Like, like Kraftwerk and African Mamata <laughs> started that shit 40 years ago. ago. <laughs> you know? Very true. Very, very, um, very true. And yeah, you know, again, like, Kraftwerk is, uh, is, is something where it's really interesting because, like, Trans Europe Express, like, I'm not going to say it's my favorite album. I'm not going to sit there and, like, say, like, it, it's, it's um, you know, to me, amazing. But again, like if I could transport myself back to the time and just like thinking about like you're hearing computers make music and like what that feeling is and then like taking that, sampling that and creating new music with it, um, it was influential. It was it was incredible. And again, it's laying the groundwork for the genreless era we have now, right? Where you like anybody can just jump on an EDM track and it's cool. You know, it's like, it's like nobody thinks twice about it. And I think that's the groundwork that like, you know, Bombada and like some of those cats and the craft works are like, or, or kind of think like maybe laying the groundwork for like 40 years ago. So, uh, yeah. Rest in power. Yeah, man. Rest in power. Yeah. Just... 
Yeah. Oof. So so quickly, I want to shout out because uh, another there's another deaf, um, the dude Ty, um, who is a rapper out of the UK. Um, he came of age in the early 2000s. He had um, uh, one of my favorite albums, actually, which was Upwards. Uh, very much kind of backpacker hip hop. Um, very much in kind of like that that backpacker like New York style of hip hop, um, but I I genuinely enjoyed it because it was like a every man like kind of hip hop project. Um, he had a couple other albums. Uh, he has like just one of my favorite hip hop tracks of all time with Roots Maneuva, um, which is another UK hip hop artist. Um, probably not as well known in the states, but I was as I was explaining to a friend, I was like he has a article in the guardian he has a obituary in the guardian so that means something <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but anyway um i i never met him in person i talked to him on twitter a uh, really cool dude there's a lot of friends i know uh, who i actually met with met him in person have actually collaborated with him um so there's a lot of like you know tributes like pouring out on like instagram and facebook um but the dude died of COVID, you know, so like just crazy, crazy. So uh, I just want to say a quick rest in peace to Ty. Um, really good dude. Um, not only a rapper, but he started becoming more of an activist during like the Black Lives Matter movement um, and and not really trying to change, you know, his his, um, you know, he's again, he's every man hip hop. He wasn't trying to do grime or anything like that. Wasn't trying to chase trends. Um, and it's always the same solid dude. Um, used to read couch sessions, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a shouts to Ty. Um, to Ty, rest in yeah, peace. It's crazy, crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I guess you know that that ends our <laughs> in memoriam. Um, but uh, you know, as usual, you know, respect all, respect all life, you know. Oh, don't forget the forefathers, don't forget the guys who lay down the arts that you listen to now. You know, obviously, we all, we all love our new little Uzi Vert albums, I do. But it's also kind of, you know, maybe out there, put a little bit out there, give a little bit of older music listen, kind of, you know, shout people out. You know, just kind of, you know, it's, 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 we're all in this together, and it's, 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 you know, just remember the circle. You know, without the shit you're enjoying now, you have to have the old shit. And, you know, give that shit some respect. That's all. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Definitely. And on to the new shit. That's right. The new ignorant hip-hop stuff. You know what I'm saying? That dirty, grimy, crazy gnarly hip not really actually <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to do that though I, I wish i had like a new what would be oh actually no fucking you have fucking takashi what is it called zozo what's what's this new uh, nonsense did you hear this your, shit your, your boy your boy yeah what is this shit your uh, boy i I'll was- never i know ex- i know exactly where you filmed gummo because it's like like two fucking blocks from my old fucking apartment and i, I just want to throw egg that building even though <laughs> It's probably some grandmother's house for, well, for, for birthing this this six nine. But didn't he? Uh, he he got doxxed. Um, oh, he did. Yeah, you didn't hear about this? No. So he was in prison. They released him because they're like releasing prisoners due to coronavirus, right? He goes somewhere in Long Island, and somewhere in the suburbs, right? He goes on his balcony and starts flexing for the gram. Some white girl, like on her IG live, was like, oh, snap. 
Takashi Six Nine is my neighbor. Nice. And nice. Like basically, you know, the internet did the dirty work and figured out where he was, so he had to get moved again to another safe oh, house. Oh, what an idiot! What an so idiot! So it's 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 entertainment. It's pure entertainment. Um, yeah, I know they were going nuts because it's like, look, he's doing the numbers are crazy. But I'm like, everybody watch a car wreck. Like, obviously, you're going to go on Instagram and see what this crazy dude's going to say. The yeah. only thing I'll say is that song is whack as shit, though. God have mercy. Oh, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, 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 it's yeah. Oh, it's, and the thing is, as somebody who actually liked some of it, actually, I can't say I like some of it. Gummo was, Gummo was dope. Everything else has been like, eh, whatever. But uh, anyway, actually, look, what are we doing? Let's talk about fucking positive shit. How did, how did I forget the queens? Oh the yeah, two queens blessing us with their presence. How was, I I am remiss. Fam, where were I, you I, that I, night? I am the ch- <laughs> Ugh, man. It's it's <laughs> so you you have to tell Lowe's, the people. <laughs> no, I'll tell the people. It's it's at a certain point, long day. You know, I've got parents who are at risk. I was helping them out, and you know, I'll be honest for you. It's it's a little rough to kind of hop into the Instagram and then be on some like, yo, we're out here. Well, not really Instagram, but you know, the Zoom party, drinking, and when it's like we're kind of stuck indoors. So yeah, you know, it was. I was having a moment. Okay, guys, I was having a moment. <laughs> I'm allowed to have moments. Yo, um, so shouts to the queens, Erica Badu and Jill Scott. Um, shouts to 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 your 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 loved one, Erica. My for, loved one. Shouts to Erica for 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 setting up the the Zoom party with the peoples. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, look, these versus sessions are really dope. Um. I'm I'm enjoying it, right? Like it, it is entertainment. It's all we got right now. They're shutting shit down to September, right? So you know, if you want to have Erica Badu and Jill Scott just like sit there and talk about like I don't know their kids and have like seven hundred fifty thousand people watch, <laughs> what else can you ask for, right? <laughs> what and, else and can it, you it ask was- for? Yeah, and it was calming. It was cool. It was it, it was for quote unquote verses. It wasn't really verses. Everybody was kind of chillaxing and cracking jokes, and it was it, it, as I said, it was a vibe, and and like it's something where what I liked about it was the fact of where they were very cognizant of what they were doing because a lot of the and I'll say this a lot of the dudes, a lot of us, us men are a little bit you know focused on what we're doing, but they were like giving words of encouragement. They were like oh, yeah. their art. It was something where it felt very much like just like, oh, we're just here chilling, you know, come, you know, very intensey, very relaxed. But it was just like, you know, on a bigger scale, it, it was a it was a cool way for everybody to kind of get together and relax. And that's why I liked about it. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. And it was exactly what you thought it would be. Right. Like you have Jill Scott with the ring lamp, like, you know, she's all glowed up, you know, and you have like Erica Badu doing some mystical shit. Right, <laughs> it's like I, it's love, ex- I love the kung fu background though. The Bruce, the Bruce Lee, yeah, with oh, the Bruce Lee awesome. background. Like it's exactly what you thought it would be. Um, and again, like I'm not mad. Like I'm, I'm so happy to kind of see this for the culture. Um, you know, like the more people do it, the more like bigger names are going to be enticed. Um, apparently, like Ludacris and Nelly might be the next one. Um, yeah, which is kind of. Mm. 
I, I feel bad. I feel bad for Nelly. I feel bad for Nelly. Um, I felt bad for Jill Scott this one because Erica Badu just has more hits. I mean, Erica Badu can flex Ooh. all day. Um, I don't know about that, bro. Is that shots fired? Is, is, is that shots fired? <laughs> is that shots? I, I, I don't. I don't want. I don't want Jilly Gang coming after me, man. Dude, like, I don't know. I, like I don't know what shots fired is anymore. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like you just make like a, a statement. Like, I feel like it's facts. <laughs> Apparently, it's not to people. <laughs> I'll say this: I, I think, and, and even seeing it live, it's closer than we think. Only because Jill Scott kind of stayed in that quiet storm kind of lane, so it, she does have a lot of—I won't say "quote unquote" hits, but she has a lot of dope slow jams that we kind of slept on and forgot about. Oh no! I mean, look, I—I'm I, not no no diss to Jill Scott. Like Jill Scott is dope. Um, I mean, we both saw her at Afropunk; like she killed it. Like, you know, she has a, a, a really good um, body of work. Um, for me, you know, Erica, I think, just has more albums that I'm, I'm, I am I resonate with. I can, like, point to, like, times in my life where I feel like, you know, I can tie it back to an Erica Badu song. Um, but even with that, you know, I, I feel like it was, like, if you're trying to do, like, a who won type of thing, like, cool, Erica oh, yeah, Badu you- won, but, like, I, I, I think... You know, in terms of like bringing entertainment value, I think they both brought that. You know. Oh yeah, no, it was, it was, it was. Yeah, no complaints whatsoever. It was from beginning to end. It was like three hours plus. I actually went to the after hours, quote unquote after hours, where Badu did her because she's been periodically doing like a live set. I missed the first couple of. I'm hoping I'm hoping to catch the one she does if she does it this month. But basically, it was like a stripped down version of that where it's her and I think. I think it was her and a drummer and a DJ. I forget it. I forget the setup already, but she played for like another, wow, it was like two hours plus. And it, oh, work. Like they weren't going to stop. Yeah, because it's like she would play like maybe like a 20-minute set. So they would DJ for like 20 minutes, and then she would go back on for like another 20-minute set. So it was wow. just fucking going on forever. I wish, like I said, it's at that time I was beat, but I wish I kind of caught more of it. But anyway, it was just a great, basically, that's probably the most show I've seen in a long time <laughs> in or outdoors. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> No, I feel you, man. I feel you. And it's kind of crazy. I'm just, I don't know, 2020 is going to be the year I go back to seeing concerts live, and that didn't happen. So uh, well, I'll take whatever I can bouncer, get. Man. I'll, I'll be like, oh, come here, bouncer. Hug me. <laughs> Bartenders. <laughs> I'd be like, come on, guys. Let's all embrace. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. So on New New, the new musica, the new stuff. That new new. That new new. All right. For me, it's been uh, this record came out a couple of weeks ago. I actually got it for the band camp. Uh, I think it was May first. Where it was like we give all the money directly to the artist day. Um, basically, it's an artist called Zero, uh, uh, based out of L.A., kind of out of that you know. The, which I always find who calls it the beat scene. When when did we decide that it's called it? Who who decided to call this whole thing the L.A. beat scene? Some some it like intern mad. at Pitchfork. Some white internet pitchfork. Some, Some white internet white pitchfork. Internet pitchfork. <laughs> <laughs> Who like fucking. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So anyway, long story short, obviously, by what I just said, beat maker, down for a whole bunch of similarly minded heads out there like Ross G, you know, Flying Lotus, you know, bubbling around in that scene for a minute, dropped his new record called Blacklight. Um, it's just dope. And the reason why I have a chance to, to kind of review it is because it's also very, very, very fucking dense. Um, 
it seems that even though he's a very solid MC himself, he he approaches from more, I won't say more from a producer standpoint, but it's a very dense, very well-produced album. And as a result, it's lots and lots and lots of layers. So it's something where there's a lot of beat shifts. There's a lot of things happening vocally. There's a lot of things happening as far as, you know, the, the, his voice is pitch shifted up, pitch shifted down. You know, there's times where he comes off sounding like almost like Moses Sumney. There's times where it's very much just like, you know, the, the straight spitting. You've got beats that sometimes they remind you more of like Tom York solo stuff, like tomorrow, like, you know, um, like Tomorrow's Never Boxes, I forget what the album is called. You've got stuff that sounds like Free Jazz. You've got stuff that's firmly like, you know, hip hop beat heavy. It's just a really great piece of work. Um, a lot of effort put into it. I, I, it's, it's weird because I, I don't be like, yo, check out this song, check out that song. But I think if you're a real music fan, like I think a lot of the people who listen to podcasts are, it's definitely worth checking out Zero Backlight because it's, it's a lot of music there happening. And it's just like, it's something where I can't necessarily describe it easy, but I do think if you're like artistry in your music, it's something there. It's not just like weird noises and fart noises and crazy raps. And I'm just being experimental to be experimental. No, there's definitely a strong musical musician mind here making it all happen. It's a really well put together project. So, you know, shots to him. Wow. All right. I am putting that on the list, fam. Like that, that sounds dope, dude. I, I am. One exception. Uh-oh. He spells ready for this one. He he does the Reggie as as a writer. He spells blacklight B L Q L Y T E. Mm. You see that's 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 a sin right now. You know what I'm saying? Respectability politics. What if white folks see this and think this is how black people smell? It's, I mean, it's a negative look, for the culture, dude. That's like versus, right? Like the versus battle. Oh, yeah. I'm like versus. versus, versus. I feel like so. I feel like a Karen, man. I feel like so old and white. I'm like versus. Anyway, that's gonna be my platform. I'm gonna sell the Fox News by Candace Owens. Be like, they not. They don't know how to spell. The pop generation doesn't know how to spell. They're ruining minds. Um. So, all right. So, I I'll talk about my my other album next week. Um. But this, so I, we were supposed to talk about the J Electronica album this week, and I listened to the J Electronica album, and I was like, this is fine, but I really have nothing to say about it, right? Like, I, I kind of don't have anything to say about it, and I listened to it again, and I never came back to it. But based on that, the algorithm <laughs> suggested that I listen to another album which is the Hit Boy album. Um, really? <laughs> which is called the Chauncey Hollis Project. So Hit Boy is a dude behind, like, he, I guess he's uh, signed to good music, I think. Um, so he's worked with, like, you know, uh, he did Niggas in Paris, that beat. Um, he did, ah, uh, oh, shit, the Nipsey Hussle beat that everybody likes. Um, the big N- N- Nipsey Hussle single, he did that beat. Um, he's pretty much kind of, you know, just like a go-to beat maker, right? You know, and and if you need kind of like stadium level hip hop, you kind of go with Hit Boy, you know, and that's kind of his thing. And this, so you would think, right? If you're a producer, you're doing stadium level hip hop, you're doing niggas in Paris, like your solo project is going to be kind of that. And it's not. 
basically the Chauncey Hollows project is just really great boom bap hip hop beats that are Ooh. super dirty and like if you like boom bap hip hop which I do it's like the album that you didn't know you needed in terms of production and for the most part it's him rapping which again rappers have a very terrible track uh, uh, producers have a very terrible track record at rapping <laughs> but he's a solid spitter and I'm not even mad and I didn't know that he has several different mixtapes like over the past like you know 10 years had no idea always saw he's a producer um, but for the most part he is uh, his previous mixtapes are like pretty much like you know more of a showcase for his beats you know he has his uh, SOB times RBE remember those guys um, you know, they imploded like, before they had a chance to blow up. I yeah, you know. Although like I he, think they, I think they're back together, but I remember they were they were they were not together, then together, beefing for a whole year, and I think they lost the momentum. Yeah, like he had like a collaboration tape with Dom Kennedy, but oh, I was shit. yeah, but like for basically for this track, all but four songs um, are him and him alone producing and rapping, and. It's solid. It's really solid. I keep coming back to it. Like I, I was like, oh, this is really, really dope. Like it's I'm, my head's nodding. I feel like I'm in the basement in Bush Bushwick somewhere, you know, like like <laughs> <laughs> smoke filling the air, you know. Um it's it's, it's kind of creating that vibe. So uh it's really dope. And again, it's like it's really unexpected. And again, like he's actually taking the helm in terms of like rapping. Um, and I think if you, like myself, have like always dismissed producer solo producer projects, um, give this one a spin. Like it's it's really it's really dope. Like it's it's definitely um, a really solid uh, hip hop al- album. So, and I I don't want to say it's better than J Electronica because I'm already in the in the doghouse <laughs> with Jill Scott pants. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to have that energy <laughs> directed my way from Jay Electronica fans. Uh but I, I do have to say I actually wish that Jay Electronica rapped over this beat these beats because I do feel like like the the Jay Electronica album, I think the production didn't really match like his energy. And I feel like this production, which is a little bit dirtier, a little bit grittier, kind of would match his energy a, a bit more. Uh, so I actually wish he would rap over these beats, um, but I'm coming back to this album way more than like the Jay Electronica album, and I I think that says something. So, ooh, I'll give it a listen. Um, I'll keep my words to Jay Electronica to myself because I want to eventually be show up for the Rock Brunch because I am that kind of sellout. <laughs> Do but I, uh, <laughs> we we already went over this. It's, it's a Zoom. It's just a yeah, Zoom gonna, this it's, year. It's gonna it's gonna happen. <laughs> I'm telling you. I already got my plane ticket. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's very telling what you said about the JLA trying to go the beats. Like I love that last track of Quabrin where they did where they basically just took the instrumental and rapped over it. Yeah. And you know, loved it, fun, love, you know, shed a thug tear, you know, in that subway. Remember, remember back then we used to take subways? <laughs> but uh 
but there, but you're right. There was a weird disconnect where some of the, like like that beat was dope. The Alchemist beat were dope, was dope. But it's like some of the beats there were kind of just there. And I I think you're right. Like I I think a lot of it was because for somebody who you know for a certain level of hip hop where it's like this is gonna be the return and yada yada yada. It was interesting to see him try these different beat types where I think he kind of is firmly with Alchemist, firmly with Loops, you know, and I, and I think maybe that's part of the reason why the album didn't hit as much, too, maybe. Yeah. Hindsight's. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. So that's about it. So far, Jill Scott hates us and so does Jay Electronica. That's a good podcast. <laughs> we'll, we'll end on that note. Team Badu. <laughs> which team is, team, nah, J- which team is Jilly, very Jilly relevant, right? <laughs> Which is really <laughs> very relevant because, like, you're Team Badu and not Team J Elect because they had a thing. Oh, yeah, you're this is all ties it all together. <laughs> oh, before I go, so going back to the Badu, one thing I want to talk about so obviously, she's doing the after party, she's playing these sets, she's having DJs there. She had this young DJ who I can't remember now who's playing, but uh, she also had in between a commercial with literally these women naked. In the quote unquote trap, backing up her quote unquote product, which was basically her her pussy incense. A word? <laughs> yeah, so it was, so you're watching it and it's, you know, all, you know, little DJ sets, little, you know, live music set. And all of a sudden you see Erica Badu speaking like black exploitation, hip hoppery, New Jack City ish to these women who are naked and they're backing up her, her, her Baducey incense. What is it called? I mean, look, that that's how that's how she gets them. We all know. Yeah, we all know it, the secret. And, and not to be funny, they're always sold out. Like so, something, something, like, something. You know, that's how you get your Andre two thousands, your J Lex. Oh yeah, that's how you get <laughs> your commons. <laughs> <laughs> that is the secret. That's the it's shit. <laughs> now you can buy it. It comes to your house. <laughs> Ladies, do you want a very artistic in his emotional man that you can mold into your own boho king? Come, come to Badu's market and I've got something for you. Uh, and on that note, as I go quickly online to order my own sets of Badu incense, so I want to wish y'all out there peace, love, and hair grease and stay safe. Yeah, stay safe, stay healthy, people. Peace. Yep. Peace.